0: And welcome to this week's episode of Not This, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear based belief patterns and systems with curiosity and love. I'm your creator, Tina Marie Olson, and this week's episode is with Trace Bell. So, Trace and I are doing a two part episode because we wanted to start with some very real ways in which the philosophical underpinnings of the way our entire society has been constructed. Are playing out and breaking down. I think it's pretty clear to most people that things are breaking down right now. And that can be really, really scary if we don't have a greater idea of where we're all headed. And so, of course, the process of releasing, letting go, deconstructing, falling apart, burning down, whatever you want to call it, that can be messy and terrifying and something that maybe most people wouldn't want to live through. And it's also an extremely necessary part of any ability to rebirth something that's much greater than what could have ever been conceived of previously. So, As you'll learn from us in part two, that's where we think everything is headed. But for right now, for part one, we're just going to deconstruct it all. Enjoy. And I'm sending you so much love. Mm, Trace, thank you so much for agreeing to come and have this conversation with me today on the not this podcast
1: yes thank you tina i think this is gonna be a blast i think we're gonna have a really good one
0: it is it is and a shout out to your esteemed colleague rob bell for the introduction
1: yes yes he he set this whole thing up so we got to give him thanks Um, absolutely you know know how he works in the world he just he just makes magic happen wherever he goes
0: (laughs) sprinkling magic dust um okay so to tell people what we're up for today There's going to be, this is a two-part episode. We're going to dive full bore into consciousness in the second episode. So today, what's really fun is we're recording on December 21st, which is ushering in a new era of humanity, higher vibration, energy coming onto our planet, new things that are possible now that have never been possible before. Obviously that's not a light switch and a lot of the things that are going to emerge, people have been working on for quite some time. But with that being said, since the whole premise of this podcast was called Not This and it was around deconstructing fear-based belief patterns and systems, I feel like all of what happened in 2020 kind of is culminating in this moment because this is going to be the first episode of 2021 and it's like the final Not This. We're just going to go into all the things that we're saying no to so that the next step forward can be okay what what are all the possibilities of the new reality that we actually want to exist in
1: yeah no I think that's perfect I think this is this is a very pivotal time and it feels very appropriate to have a big episode right now because this is like we're 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 washing away 2020 and really kind of looking forward to what this new reality is going to look like Mm mm-hmm and who better to lay it down? The both of us.
0: I love it, so fun. Okay, so I'm going to start with something that's near and dear to my heart, which is doing a bit of a Foucaultian-based genealogy, which is a philosophical inquiry based on Michel Foucault's work, who is a 20th century French deconstruction philosopher who basically was doing social commentary and in a. Inquiry into the way that power structures play out. And one of his big theories was around this concept of a panopticon. And it's an architectural concept where it went from in ancient times, you used to keep power over the many by basically killing people in public or public torture. Mm-hmm. So the the way that policing worked was you would have you know, everybody in the town square, and then you would chop someone's head off. Like bloody glory, everybody sees it, and it's deeply ingrained, like don't do that shit or that's gonna be you. (laughs) So then as we transition to modernity, what happened is we started to be, we started to get a system where one could watch the many. And that is where the panopticon structure comes in. So if you think about, for example, a prison, and you have one guard tower in the middle, And then you have all the cells or the yard or whatever it is that the, the guards are watching. And especially if you have, you know, like for example, you know, mirrored glass or something where you can't see in, you can't even tell whether or not there's a guard in there. But at any moment in time, the guard could be watching you. So who in essence is watching you in that scenario? You're watching you, because there's only one watching the many. If the many decided to turn on the one, that could happen practically instantaneously. But why do they not? Because the fear is deeply instilled that at any moment in time, I could be the one who's being watched. So if Mm. you take that out of like a prison structure and you look at it in a classroom and now I was raised by teachers, I have huge reverence for teaching when it's done like from the heart and really well, but you go to kindergarten or first grade and you've got one teacher who's trying to control 30 plus kids and basically what you're taught is to stay in line and to watch yourself on behalf of this institution and therefore the classroom can achieve what it's desiring to achieve you can learn what you're and so it's not all bad we're not saying that this is just a way to keep people down but it is a power dynamic
1: oh absolutely yeah
0: and it's the same power dynamic that is transpiring when you are stopping at a red light at midnight even though there's nobody around because there could be a cop right Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah okay
0: so with that power dynamic what i was investigating was what about humans makes it so easy for that kind of insidious power dynamic to transpire at a level in our consciousness that nobody really questions it or at least not until maybe much later in life like kids just slide right into that system and we all go along with it and yes there's like a communal element to its benefit but there's also a total lack of understanding of all the things that we've agreed to we don't have any awareness of all the various ways in which this system and these structures are at play and so therefore I think we've taken the observer part of our consciousness, the the magic, the miracle, the most expanded part of being a spiritual being in a human vessel, and we've co-opted it to be an operative of the mind, to be watching us, to keep us in line. And so instead of that observer being able to kind of observe the entire field and pull into it experiences and possibilities and creations, that observer is being used in order to keep the being in line. So I'm going to pause there and let you just.
1: Yeah, no, no, I think that's fascinating. I think it goes back to so much of our behavior is conditioning, Mm -hmm. how we were like the cultural factors around us, lessons our parents instilled, our schools, our structure, where we grow up with these like structures around us and we kind of we stay in line because there's a there's a certain safety in the structure Mm
2: -hmm.
1: there's a safety in almost following the conditioning and and playing by the rules and playing within the structure because if you don't you threaten the whole structure and the structure comes down really really hard on you Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that server consciousness that that, that's so brilliant because the mind co-ops that observer consciousness and fills it with all all this conditioning so essentially the the that consciousness is now watching yourself watching all your actions and like almost analyzing them at every moment to see if you are falling in line with the status quo, with the conditioning that you've been brought up with. And it, it, you're totally right about like with humans, it's such a, such a pattern in human history that this is like humans. So kind of fall in line with culture. Um, and just the, the way they were brought up and the conditioning that people were brought up with is like such a huge influence on how they are, reacting to the world and even how they're how they're uh, observing themselves essentially
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and I think about both of us live in places where we didn't grow up and that in and of itself is such a fascinating observation and ticket into awareness around how deeply conditioning plays a role Mm -hmm. in who we are and how we're supposed to be because you can simply change locations and see how different norms and expectations and ways of being flow through people. And yet at the same time, I feel like there are so many opportunities for us to see all this stuff clearly, but at the same time, the mind often continues to choose not to because it's such a threat to our Mm -hmm. ability to control our experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think that that word threat is really important. Like the mind chooses, there's so many clues about, the clues that reality give us and clues that spirit, source are are giving us about the way that reality actually is. And it's like the the mind refuses to see them and and ignores them because in order to actually look at what those clues are telling us about reality would totally threaten the, the structure and the conditioning. Mm -hmm. that they that people have been brought up with i've always felt like when people hear spiritual talk and they'll hear consciousness talk and be like that's just that's crazy that's so wild and it's it's always like no no it's the fact that it's wild doesn't doesn't say anything about the idea it says it's actually saying a lot about your conditioning Mm -hmm. and how what your culture like your the culture you grew up in your cultural views on what you think is crazy it's almost Mm -hmm. like like people have this weird sort of um, idea that crazy is some like what is crazy and what's not crazy is some like objective there's like some objective barometer for what's crazy and what's not crazy but failing to influence like how much of their conditioning is totally crazy like how how much of the way that they view reality because of the way they brought up is completely insane and completely crazy you know what I mean and is now, now influencing what they call out of the realm of uh, respectability you know what I mean like yes. it's
0: it's actually quite amusing once you get to once you get to start seeing it all clearly, (laughs) because we get to see like how ridiculous so many of these things are. And at the same time, like we completely honor the value of, so the social contract we're living in in modernity, like this is is the current philosophical truth with a small T
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that, capitalist democracy is set up on is that we all exchange certain rights with each other to have other rights. So for example, Mm -hmm. I give up my right to walk onto your property and kill you or to walk onto Mm -hmm. your property and take your shit in order to have the right for me to have my own property that you don't walk onto or come and harm me. Right? Like, so there's kind of basic tenets to the social contract that we all grew up with that I think, and when I say we all, I'm talking about the current American experiment that have benefit. Like, I'm glad that it is quote unquote against the law for somebody to enter my space and try to do harm by me or take my stuff or whatever. Right? Like that gives me some sort of sense of safety and security. However- that sense of safety and security is very tenuous because it's built upon an agreement, like a rationalized agreement about what we're all going to do. But when we have a society that has so neglected so many of ourselves within it, there's actually no certainty that I have safety from being intentionally harmed.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think the, the mask thing is like a perfect example of that. I mean, I think yeah. I think the, the, one of the most disturbing parts of coronavirus was that like when, when coronavirus hit and it was it became apparent very quickly that we didn't have a country that was on the same page about basic health guidelines for what to do in a pandemic. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we have that agreement that, that we have that like, like people all oh, masks are infringing on my freedom like i don't want to wear a mask i, I, I have the right not to wear a mask you're talking like that rights thing like you're saying like i have a right to have my own property but you're you also don't have a right to come on my own property like it's funny how we have those agreements in those areas but we don't have an agreement like i have a right to go to the grocery store in a safe way like mm-hmm. you have to wear a mask you know what i mean like there it's interesting how the the in this time of stress, it was like those agreements almost felt like it went, that mutual kind of understanding almost like went out the window in a lot of ways.
0: Well, it reminds me of, so I I spent many years working in insurance and when you go purchase your car insurance, for example, it's a very one-sided contract in that Mm -hmm. you don't, you get a price and they tell you basically what it's covered. Like, okay, you have, you're going to have this much of a deductible if you get an accident but you don't actually get to read through the policy contract until you have purchased it. So like, think about like how kind of crazy that is. Would you knowingly enter a contract with like anyone or anything that you didn't actually know what it is?
1: No, I, I think that's, it's insane, but it, it, at the same so we time, do it that all, the time. all the time. No. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And it's true with regard to the social contract. That is, is what our entire, democracy is built upon. And I love your mask example because there were two things that cracked me up to no end during the the beginning of the mask controversy. One was a guy pitching a giant fit that Costco wasn't going to allow him in. But to me the hilarious irony is Costco's a membership club. It's not even like a regular store that just has rights to let people in or not in. Like you actually have to pay to get into Costco.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of other requirements you have to be to even get in the building like without yeah. That's funny.
0: <laughs> and then the other one I thought was hilarious. Why are we all of a sudden questioning the use of a mask and yet we're still required to wear pants and nobody's talking about it?
1: I still see um, people doing the, the, the anti-mask crusade, like masks don't work. And it's just, it's so infuriating to me because it's at this point, it's just, I mean, it was, it was dangerous from the get-go. But people that like, like if you don't want to wear a ma- if you don't think masks work and you don't want to wear a mask, fine. But you're, you're still wearing a mask in public. Like that's, I think that's mo- like a, most people that don't think masks work are still wearing them in public because they just, they have to, they have to, to get in a lot of stores. But then the people that are really leading, like, they're doing like anti-mask, like activism, like they're really trying to like spread the word. that I mean, that's just, it's, it's so insane to me. It's just as like outside, it's so outside the realm of like anything that should be acceptable because it's, it's literally dangerous. Like,
0: Well, and what's interesting about that as you say it is it brings me to like, huh, we know that there's value. At people at all stages of development, regardless of where they yeah. are, right? There, yeah. and there's value of all things that are running through. It's not necessarily where we're going or what we're going to take with us, but it's pointing to an important truth that's happening right now. And so when we have that many people in our society who are not on board with the, the very first basic concept, I think now they've done more research and they've realized that, for example, like even a basic cloth mask does give you some percentage of protection for the person who's wearing it's not simply for others yeah but let's just stick with the premise that all masks are for other people seems like to me really easy concept to buy into okay great yeah if i if i can do something very simple to help protect other people fantastic i'm like immediately on board yeah but we have a, a decent sized segment of the population who not only doesn't just intuitively or or from a heart center place say yes of course i would do that they're actively saying you're taking something away from me by asking me to do something for anybody else
1: yeah no no you totally nailed it that that, i think that's actually i i I was that's what i was really trying to say that that's actually the really disturbing part is it's you're taking away my right to be harmful to others essentially Mm -hmm. you know what i mean which is like it would be like someone being like, you're, you're taking away my right by not letting me walk into your house, like you said, and like kill you and take your stuff. Like that's like, no, 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 taking away your rights to take away other people's rights. You know what I mean? Like,
0: but, you know, I mean, th- these things have been debated in this country from, from the beginning. I mean, these are all, these are huge things that are unresolved. And mm-hmm. I love to look at them as dynamics at play as opposed to people. Right. Because people are just kind of the function or the manifest, the way we see it playing out. But it's coming from somewhere. And to me, I'm like, to me, it feels like it's screaming to expose this social contract that people have no idea that that they've even signed up for. And we can't simply rebuild what's next on this completely rotten foundation we have to deconstruct first. And that's why I find people like Foucault, you know, Nietzsche, we've talked about this. Nietzsche was thought of as a nihilist Mm -hmm. because his method was to deconstruct things, question everything, and then not put anything in that space. And you and I are taking a different approach because next episode, we're going to put a whole bunch of consciousness, truth in that space.
1: Yeah. You need, you need to give people something, you know what I mean? You need to like some sort of framework.
0: Yeah. And I, I love the, I love the complete commitment that he had to not creating new dogma.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. No, no, that was, that was really helpful and really necessary too, because he could have totally created some sort of new, he could have exactly done what he was deconstructing essentially. Exactly. So um, that, that, that instinct to not create new dogma was wonderful and needed. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And so as we deconstruct. And as we continue to question everything, I think there's just one more point that I want to put down in this <laughs> extremely rambling introduction to what the hell we're doing here. <laughs> it's
1: okay, we got we got two parts, maybe, maybe multiple parts. So yeah. You gotta you gotta have a you gotta have a good intro if you're gonna do it multiple parts.
0: Uh, it wouldn't be a podcast with Tina and Trace if there wasn't a dissertation to begin. So
1: Exactly. Facts. Um
0: <laughs> so the set point. Okay. So this is the, this was the point I was building up to this set point view of reality that comes from the mind co-opting the observer, taking in all of the possible information and conditioning. And I think it's just easiest to look at it as something that happens. I mean, it's going on constantly, but it's really easy to see it when we're young because we're much more of a blank slate. We're taking in massive information through all of our senses and through senses that we don't even know or understand because we're way more open as kids. And we're, you know, I think we far too often blame it on parenting or a particular teacher. No, it's every single show you watch. It's every single interaction you have with other humans. Everything is creating this idea of this self-watch, set point of this is quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. and I then have to compare myself my actions the way I live my life to this set point at normal and that then becomes like this insidious base note of everything that happens in life thereafter and you're just then having judgment and comparison to this from the self-watch to the (laughs) self-watch Yeah, and it leaves yeah. us in this totally no-win. I mean, this is this is like the heart of why people numb, and they just start numbing and choose different ways to numb at different ages. But that's like the whole foundation for basically going completely asleep.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, that's that's a great point. I, I've even recently just become uh, over the past year really started to like my eyes have really started to open to just how much of our entertainment and um, ways people kind of occupy themselves is meant to just like completely numb their brains and numb their minds. Um, How much, like even even our TV culture, I've always been like, why are there so many TV shows? Like why Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Like there's just so many. I've really started to see like how much that stuff is meant to sort of numb and kind of keep people asleep in a lot of ways. And at the same time, it also impacts conditioning and ways they view reality like how much how many people's view of reality is impacted by how many movies and tvs tv shows they watch which is really has it's really depicting reality in a very certain sort of dramatized way so it's like it's it's like double it's like double insidious where it Mm -hmm. really works to kind of numb and it like has like these huge implications for how they real be reality but also that people don't know that they're influence that's influencing the way that they're view reality in their outlooks on life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I've, I've really recently started to see how like impactful that is, yeah.
0: And I think we're leading with that to all the stuff you've brought to talk to us today about around just how many holes our current systems and structures have. Because if we actually start paying attention to those things, we... We have to start from a completely new ground zero.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think that one of the things that, that COVID did in this past year did was really expose the way that the, the status quo is very insufficient in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like the way our, our institutions are really not up to par and not really actually serving people the way that they're supposed to be. So we, can we start? Can we get yes. into to some of those? Okay, so, <laughs> I'm so well,
0: excited for this because I have no idea what you brought.
1: So the, the big one to me, this has always been the big one, is, just, is, is the healthcare system in the U.S. Yeah. The healthcare system is absolutely abysmal um, mm-hmm. in this country. That is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. It's, it's just insane. To me, the biggest thing, the, the thing about healthcare that was always so insane is that it's tied to employment. Like your healthcare mm-hmm. for so many people is tied to um, being employed and having a job. And the problem is then when you have a pandemic where people start losing their jobs because of for economic reasons and people are getting sick it's like a double it just to me the system got totally exposed for how unjust and kind of vile it is that that we have we don't have a single-payer medicare for all system that guarantees everyone health care um, we have some the system where people have to have to get it through their employment and then it turns out when the pandemic hits and then a recession and then they're now losing their jobs and losing their health care um, leaving them totally stranded so yeah so, so this past year five million workers lost their their health insurance with Trump as president millions more lost their health insurance over that time period and every other single developed nation has some form of single-payer health care the U.S. is the only country that doesn't so there's always this line whenever people talk about Medicare for all or single-payer healthcare. care it's like well how will we pay for that like it's, there's all these reasons why we can't do that but every other country does it and we actually spend more on health care than other developed countries but mm-hmm. we perform worse um, in terms of health outcomes so we're somehow paying more. And then we're also having like way worse healthcare for them and not getting the people healthcare. I mean, it's just, it's such a disaster. And it's such a thing that like, I mean, obviously a lot of politicians talk about it, but it, it to me, it's just not nearly talked about it enough. And it, to me, it's one of the worst aspects of this country that just totally got exposed by this past year.
0: Whew. Okay. I have so much on that, but I want to start with this. What does it say about the value? Of our bodies being in health, when that is is tied to, yeah, the thing that you owe your services to every day. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that's that's not a coincidence either. Like, like we don't, I don't, we don't even really have, we don't have a healthy country at all. A lot of people do not are very um, uneducated about health, um, so we don't even really have a healthy country. We have such a this country is so we have sick ha- care. Sick early. care, exactly. Yeah. Um, We have such a, this country has such a capitalist mindset that it's, it's, Mm -hmm. your body only matters for, for what you can, it's not actually about your health or, or your happiness or your, your longevity. It's only about how can you provide. So we tie this thing that everyone needs, Mm -hmm. healthcare, we tie it to you being able to provide and work and basically use your body for profit and Mm -hmm. yeah, making people money. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, it's really gross. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And oh, this this feels so gross, but it, it just has to be said. It's the it's the modern version of slavery.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely.
0: And that's not to take away from like, I'm not saying that I was abused when I was in the corporate world, but there's a, def- a very real energy of lack of freedom
2: mm-hmm.
0: for people who are in that system and when they're suffering and they're screaming i have no choice i have to do this blah 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 they're not wrong
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's the really sad part yeah 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 they're not they're not wrong because this system actually forces them they actually they need to do they need to do that in order to, to survive and make it um mm-hmm. so this is this is where you it, it's it's not just a getting it's twofold as far as laying, laying a new framework and laying a new paradigm where it's it's having opening people's minds and teaching them how to view reality different but it's also changing those structures mm-hmm. that keep them stuck and also cha- changing the structures that to new structures that allow them to actually have the freedom
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that they they need to thrive essentially mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah oh that's so juicy yeah. that's so good yes a hundred percent and the other thing about So about our set point of health, going back to this concept of kind of like self-watch and and all of that, the set point that we have, our status quo, is like extreme unhealth.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Mentally, physically, emotionally. And so much so that when, when you have conversations with people who haven't done You know, a ton of work to re examine all of these things and really, really understand what these bodies are, how they thrive on every level. People do think you're crazy. Like, even basic things that I would consider to be non negotiables in my life that are a part of my truly my well care and my expansiveness care. How can I be constantly coming into a state of even more health and alignment than I am currently at? It's not just about not getting sick. Like I don't see people around me making those committed choices with regard to how to spend their their time, money, their energies. And I, I'm meaning things, for example, like in Chinese medicine, they think you should come in at least once at the change of every season to like help your body. It's a big adjustment to go from the warmth of summer and the long days to all of a mm. sudden having like, cold air, shorter days, but there's like an intuitive thing of like, yeah, at every season change, that's when people tend to get sick. Another example is going to, I go to a network chiropractor, which is basically like a, it's not forcible adjustments. It's like a retuning of your nervous system. And it's only the first few low levels that you're working at that are, that you're working at to get out of fight or flight. But most people, when you go into the office, most people are working at those levels because they're just trying to not be so stressed all the time. There's like no concept because of our status quo and where our set point tends to be, there's no concept that our nervous systems are actually capable of taking in such expansive information from the field that we can be, we can be a being living through this world that is experiencing things that are far beyond what the mind could even conceive of. And yet- this particular type of chiropractic understands that completely and has the whole damn thing mapped out. And if you just commit to it and keep going, you can go to places that other people don't even conceive as possible, but we have no like conversational paradigm for any of that at our yeah. current set point.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's that kind of stuff is so outside most people's paradigm, just because of the the conditioning and, and that they, that they grew up with and that they, they think is the, the norm. I mean, it even makes me think of like at UCLA, like how many people like, people made fun of me for being part of meditation club or, or meditating. Mm. Like, meditating was, like, something they, like, laughed at. Like, I remember one guy told me, he just was, like, meditation doesn't work. Why do you do that? And it was, like, like and if, you, if you knew this guy, you'd be, like, no, actually, you're the one person that, like, would benefit the most from meditating. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, just all over the place. Like, just total mess. So it was always funny to me, like, the people, like, like even meditating is outside of, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people's, if that just seems as, like, some, they view that as, like, some silly, like, thing. You just, like, some crazy waste of time. That mm-hmm. you do, um, mm-hmm. and that's the thing with with that, that's what I was saying. Like how a lot of people like them labeling stuff as crazy and weird. It is not actually saying anything about that thing. It's about what what they've been indoctrinated with as far mm-hmm. the views they've been indoctrinated with. That it's saying more about the stuff that they've been indoctrinated with and the way that they view reality more than the actual thing itself that they're labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and you're, in in the West, there's just such an uh, an ignorance of other ways of doing things just because the west is has touted itself as like the pinnacle of development and like no this is this is the, the we've already pretty much got everything figured out this is the way it should be all that mm-hmm. other stuff is just like silly backwards stuff uh and i think that over the next the the paradigm shift that will happen over the next couple hundred years is the, is, a, is a almost like a pendulum swing in the other direction because mm-hmm. the the system right now is not working and they we're going to move to other solutions other remedies essentially and that paradigm will be shifted to um things that were previously viewed as outside the realm will then become actually almost solutions for Mm -hmm. for ailments that are that are plaguing us right now
0: i just love the opportunity to see it all clearly first Mm -hmm. because then what we don't want to create in in the whole conversation around dogma what we don't want to create is a new set point for Mm -hmm. other people Right. Yeah. Like that that's unconscious, it's unspoken of, it's this yet again just a new social contract that people don't even know what they're getting. They're just born into it. What we want is this complete expansiveness of choice that's based upon this knowing and this belief that there is completely sufficient resources in order to have a concept of a safety net for everyone. And the only thing that's threatened by everybody having a baseline of their survival needs taken care of, the only thing that's threatened is the part of my ego that would say that there's something inherently better about me because I've somehow managed to not need the safety net.
1: Mm, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so that's a fantastic point. It's It's not about like not creating, a new dog like you're not creating a new set point not creating a new dogma for the way it should be it's actually about creating structures to give people the freedom to explore on their own Mm. and sort of reach a lot of these conclusions on their own and explore Mm -hmm. on their own it's really about providing more of a safety net and providing more structure and freedom that allows them to open up and explore new things that then work for them explore new ways to view reality that don't keep them and they can't right now because they're imprisoned by the Mm -hmm. the Current structure, so th- that's the tricky thing with with it's not just about creating a new dogma, creating a new thing that set point that people believe in. It's about fixing the system and providing a, a baseline for people that allow them to almost reach it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic point. Yeah.
0: Okay, so healthcare, we're clear that we need to prioritize and you know, as soon as, as soon as I even start thinking or feeling into solutions, it's like the very first thing that needs to transpire is for severe illness, accidents, disease, those kinds of things that bankrupt people currently, like Mm -hmm. everybody deserves the knowing that you and I have that if something like that were horrible and happened to us, that Mm -hmm. once we physically got through, that the thing was not going to then become the thing that defined our life from a financial perspective and from an ability to make any subsequent choices. But the fact of the matter is that I throw out a chunk of money that's not small every single month to pay for insurance that I have no intention of ever using.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And completely separately have a budget that I actually get value for, which is, you know, going to, the chiropractor, the massage, the acupuncture, whatever, like those things I'm actually getting value from. The other thing is like, oh, by the way, I have to pay this chunk of money. It's almost like taxes. I have to pay this chunk of money just to ensure that if I did get really sick, I wouldn't go bankrupt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's completely insane. You're, no, you're totally right. You ha- you actually have other areas that are really actually helping your health that you're, mm-hmm. that you're putting money into. And then you have this, this one that's just as like, you just have to pay it so the system doesn't crush you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is what a, what a ridiculous and just Medicare for all. Like it's the single payer healthcare plan that the people, a lot of politicians talk about. It's kind of like this like controversial issue, but 70% of Americans support it. Um, and they always, the thing against it is always like, well, it's going to cost a lot of money. All the, all the the research and data shows that it would actually save money in the long run. So we have this thing that would not only catch us up with the rest of the other developed nations it would also give everyone healthcare, and it would save us money in the long run like how is this not a slam dunk to me it just shows like how corrupt and out of touch our government and political system is it's Mm -hmm. not actually a democracy that that is the will of the people it's Mm -hmm. this oligarchy that is dominated by big money interests big pharma interests because you have this medicare for all thing which on paper is like the biggest slam dunk of all time Mm -hmm. like it's the most logical thing ever And we just, like, it's, like, a somehow, like, a controversial issue in this country. It's just insane.
0: You and I have been talking about how when you have a background in political science, you can't help but see the political statements and everything. Yeah. And when my dad was first diagnosed with cancer, he was at Stanford. And I was walking down the hall, and there's a fucking vending machine with, like, coke products or pepsi products or whatever and a bunch of junk food and it was just it's like you can know these things Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then
0: you see it firsthand yeah yeah and i'm like this is a renowned medical institution from whatever that you know set point status quo judgment thing is here i am at stanford university medical center and there's a fucking vending machine of carcinogens
1: yeah yeah which is which is and the weird it's that's normal like a lot of people would not notice that that was like no how <laughs> weird and awful that is you know and what i mean? was like,
2: like r- raging yeah,
1: yeah. There, <laughs> there's so many things that we're gonna look back on like in the future and be like they did what you know what i mean because yeah. like, there's so many things that we take for i think that's one of the important points of this this whole talk is that there are so many things that are taken as normal as the status quo that are will in hindsight be looked at absolutely insane so yeah like that idea that these are like some sort of like the way things are is actually completely insane and will be exposed in the future for how insane they are.
0: The um, level of disconnection from who we truly are. Yeah. Oneness that is yeah. required in order to buy into the current status quo is so immense that mm-hmm. it's like, no wonder everyone is ridden with anxiety and fear and depression and jacked up on pharmaceuticals and eating all this shit because that's the only way you can and I, I'm, I'm jumping to some of the stuff early but it's the only way you can lower your own consciousness enough in order to stay in it
1: mm, mm. yeah that's a, that's that's a great point yeah no you're absolutely right it's it's a reality is so skewed for so many people that they actually have to like actively mm-hmm. numb themselves in order to actually like interact with the world in that way Mm -hmm. yeah no no you're that's yeah you're totally spot on yeah
0: okay so hit me with your next one
1: um i think the next one is the education system to me Mm -hmm. is just Mm -hmm. uh, i think the education system i think the the weird thing about our culture right now is there's there's this like sense there's almost this feeling of arrogance like this is the i mentioned earlier like this is the pinnacle of human development like we're, we're the most mm-hmm. developed the humans will be and we have this like sort of there's this there's this weird irony in that we have um culture tells us that like that we're there we're really really far along but when you actually analyze culture where we are in society we're actually way more behind and way more mm-hmm. backwards than than it's believed to be by a lot of people um and to me that to, to me the education system is just the way my experience at ucla was just very like the the feeling at UCLA and the, the almost like attitude by so many people there was just so kind of soul stucking like, it just felt, felt so soulless um, which actually ended up being a really big gift for me. Cause it really put me more on a spiritual path. Cause it was like, Oh no, this is like, there's, there's something so soulless about this like academia top institution that like there, there needs, I need to like, I can't be in this environment. Um, so I think that, I think this new, Sort of shift will be a big shift in education. Education is still kind of operating by a lot of old paradigms, mm-hmm. and it doesn't—it doesn't seem like it because it seems like it's the pinnacle of teaching and education, and like this—this this is where all the smart people are. But honestly, it's—it's it's way more backwards than it appears to be. um mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a radical shift, and I, I know you—I know you have a similar experience with your time in mm-hmm. at uh, Davis and and getting your master's. Yeah,
0: it's—it's um, it's, it's fast. I mean. The thing that was most, uh, impactful for me is how so many of the classes that I took because I thought I needed them based on this Uh self-based on this self-watch status quo conditioned, um, because of all that, I had a, a double major in managerial economics. So I, I did poli sci, but that was like my joy Uh and all the managerial economic stuff was such a grind. And I just remember like at the time there was no joy in any of it. It was just like, I got through, you know, it's like, oh great. I got through accounting. It was so the next step of checking boxes.
1: Yeah. That's how I felt too. Yeah.
0: That it like lured me into actually having a very relatively meager status quo existence for then the next like decade of my life because I got so accustomed to checking boxes uh-huh. and yet the one thing that was truly I wouldn't have called it a spiritual experience at the time but I did feel like it was a I I felt like it was an expanded state I probably would have used that language of some sort was when I sat in my first political theory class and I have a particular professor named uh, Dr. Nick Dungy who I'm lucky enough to still have a relationship with and he was in his early thirties, he was not tenured. And so what it meant, and he was basically like one or one of very few theorists on staff. There was a huge divide that political science was trying to make itself a real science. Cause if you were going to be anything, you had to be a science. Yep. And so there were all these professors in roles teaching classes like that. And, and then there was Dungey's classes. And so I followed him around. I took seven courses, six upper division classes from him. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't even know if I had any other upper division classes from any other professors <laughs> because he was tuning into something and now it's so fun to talk to him from my current understanding, because I understand way more about what he was doing. He was tuning into an energy and delivering delivering information and consciousness at a level that would impact my whole being so much that not only was it breaking through, I mean, this is where I learned about self-watch and all that in the first place, but it wasn't only breaking through those paradigms. It would, it would turn into an experience where I had to then match that experience with certain music, like when I got back in my car. It's like I I was in experiencing such an expanded state that was so different from all the rest of life that I the only thing I knew is that I had to kind of like try to hold on to that state for a little bit longer.
1: Mm, that's that's an incredible story. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I your your checking boxes line totally. Like I totally relate to the thing about. The weirdest thing about ucla was like when i say solas it was also like, like there was just lacking passion like overall mm-hmm. like across the board like i remember people in my political science classes like i remember people being like confused they were almost like puzzled that i was like interested in the material and have like opinions about the material like it was just like like my roommates were like wait you actually like like the material like they they were just so puzzled by the fact that someone would actually be like into the actual classes like it was just like a sort of like checking boxes like we mm-hmm. just do what you do to it it felt like it didn't really feel like learning it just more felt like a factory sort Mm -hmm. of setting where you're just like just jumping through hoops checking boxes Mm -hmm. um so I feel like that the being at UCLA taught me a lot but not in the like actual probably way that UCLA wanted to was intended to teach me if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like not actually like teaching me about the world and like inspiring me inspired me by showing inspired me by being so uninspiring that I was like, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. Like, I don't like this whole, whole bunch of not this. Yeah, whole bunch of not <laughs> this. Yeah, so it was like I had this weird sort of like counterintuitive uh, effect that uh, it gave me, where it was like it was actually so kind of not what it intended to be that it, it actually did give me a tremendous learning experience by not being a, the learning experience that it probably wanted to be. Yeah. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. And what makes me sad for the UCs, like I just not that long ago, I pulled up the UCs charter because I was curious about. When I I actually know exactly what prompted it, Uh, I was talking to our friend Jeff um, Catch for this show and he had mentioned part of the reason the Rodale Institute's work is so important is that this kind of cutting edge organic farming research like should be done by the land grant institutions. And I Uh was like, well, Davis Davis is California's first like primary agricultural land grant institution. And in all of it, I went back and I read what the UCs stand for and what they want to be. And there were experiences where it was like, oh my God, okay, this, this thing, this is what I believe this institution's Mm -hmm. about and what it's meant to be. But then there's this whole other thing it's become. Because to your point, our school system has become this factory for people needing jobs. And if you're gonna pay a mortgage, if you're gonna have healthcare, you better go get one of these factory jobs in a cubicle. Yeah, called corporate America or called being a lawyer or, you know, and so it's almost like they've become this machine because for one, student loans are so freaking backbreaking that yeah. people don't get to then just leave and go do something inspiring. They leave and they have this mortgage sized thing that they have to take with them. They don't have a house. They don't have any way they've they've not entered into the world at all, and yet they've got so much debt that it's like this giant backpack. And they're like, I guess I have to find a cubby to put this backpack in. And so then they end up in a cubicle.
1: Yeah, no, that, that student loan point is great as well. Like that, that's another way that like, like the structure keeps people in prison and keeps people from actually exploring and, and having a sense of freedom that would actually allow them to kind of live their life in a way that's more, that would bring them more happiness, more contentment. Like that, that and again, like that student loan, like canceling student loan, debt would be huge for like sort of eliminating those structures that keep people stuck and keep people having to do things a certain way just to avoid the structure coming down on them Mm -hmm. um so health yeah healthcare, student loan there's so many ways that this like the the system we have right now kind of keeps us in debt and keeps us like playing by the rules and playing within the structure Mm -hmm. and keeps us in prison because uh Mm -hmm. you you can't if you you have to or else the whole thing comes down on you yeah
0: and if you're listening to this and you're thinking like oh, how would how would these changes even be possible? Like know that that's a normal reaction to the deconstructing of everything that we've known to be true? Because when in Plato's allegory of the cave, when the man leaves the cave and goes outside and realizes <laughs> he could have left mm-hmm. the cave yeah. the whole time and that the whole reality was made of these shadows and comes back to tell them they call him insane
1: mm-hmm. yeah no, no that's the, that's the thing is the the student loan the healthcare system the, the the way it's set up right now people view that as like the normal thing and like mm-hmm. getting rid of that feels like some crazy radical like wait that, that can't be possible but the 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 big shift is no no, no the way it is right now is crazy and radical mm-hmm. all this stuff is completely logical you're like like eliminating student debt, medicare for all, those are the logical options. Those are the the like the obvious next steps. Um yeah. it only seems crazy from that the perspective of the old paradigm where it's been like conditioned and like indoctrinated into us that this is the way it's supposed to be. But actually getting rid of those things and changing the things is not the radical thing. The, the radical thing is the way it is right now.
0: Yeah. Um, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And irrational. It yeah. Does, it doesn't <laughs>
1: stand rational
0: to any of the tests right again
1: exactly and that, that's why in the future we'll look back on these things and be like no the way we had it was completely insane
2: mm-hmm. um
1: and that's that's what I, I hope that 2021 is is a start of a new mm-hmm. like with covid kind of exposing this i hope we're starting like when people i feel like people have been really grieving the fact that the the way things used to be the normal mm-hmm. the, the normal is that that even that word is kind of like just going away because like the what is normal like we're we're a new a new chapter is going to be born here mm-hmm. um yeah and i hope i, I hope 2021 is where the, the ball really gets rolling
0: i think it can't help but be yeah and it's not it's so funny because when like during the summer and stuff when everybody was like 2021 it's gonna be fantastic i was like things don't just change a yeah. date on the calendar changes right but it's yeah there is something to this uh, truth that there's a new energy entering.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think without jumping too far into consciousness, I think we can learn our lessons in a variety of ways. But I think, I feel the election was a huge turning point.
1: Mm-hmm. I do too. To
0: show us that we had learned enough of our lessons that yes, we still have a lot of work to do to unwind these things. And some of the things you're talking about, like, canceling student debt, like that would come with a whole new series of questions. Mm -hmm. But those are the exact questions we need to be asking.
2: Like, why
0: are we making people pay this much for an education in the first place? And why are we making this kind of an education? I just saw the CEO of, I think it was the CEO of IBM speaking about diversity and inclusion. And one of the things that they've done is we went back through their job requisitions, their their you know description of their current open positions. Previously, hundred percent of them required a four year degree. Mm-hmm. They did a whole thing over the last like six months or whatever to go look through them and be like, is that really actually the like a prereq a box that has to be checked in order to do this role? And I think they eliminated mm-hmm. it down to like only 43 percent of their jobs now oh
1: wow that's 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 crazy yeah yeah great crazy crazy in, a, crazy in a good way obviously mm-hmm. not crazy in like, a, like yeah. in insane way. crazy yeah. crazy in a like what that, that makes total sense and like that's that would be totally like people really analyzing people like that people in high positions like that really looking at their own companies and looking at their own requirements looking into those and, and really that would that would radically shift yeah mm-hmm. how a lot of this yeah that's, and that's so inspiring
0: that stuff like that can be happening while we're also figuring out how to educate people to actually live a an inspired life instead of educating them in order to have to go into a cubicle
1: yeah yeah and, and, and as consciousness rises just just in general you'll see leaders will leaders and 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 people on the edge like cutting edge thinkers will, like that will start to analyze their own stuff and, and as their consciousness raises they'll they'll Come to conclusions like that yeah mm-hmm. that will that will totally shift a, a lot of this stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: it excites me to no end to know how many people are in roles like that who already do have really expanded consciousness yeah um i think of benioff and salesforce i think of the conscious capitalism movement um mm-hmm. and there is so much when we talk about where we're headed, which is oneness, unity, consciousness, whatever words you want to put on it, all of this stuff is included. So, like, I have a ton of gratitude for all the years that I worked in corporate, the corporate world. It's not all bad by any means.
1: It, it taught you a lot. Yeah.
0: And what's bad about it is a belief that you have to do something that you don't want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely
0: but when we come at all this stuff from a place of choice, like there is kind of nothing like the feeling of synergistically collaborating with people who have a shared goal to solve a problem or to change things. And that doesn't always have to be like solving world hunger. Sometimes it is figuring out like the next best way to handle (laughs) a car insurance claim or something. I mean, It's like, it spans the whole gamut. But the thing is, is that when we're All in this victimized state, and when you're showing up every day to work, feeling like you're a prisoner to your own life, nobody gets the benefit of your creativity. Not only are you suffering, but everybody around you is suffering as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a great point. The people at the top that that maintain these systems don't realize how maintain like maintaining these systems and keeping people in prison like this actually affects them. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. like there's there's this illusion that they're the ones that bet like. They, they benefit, but they don't, no one wins in this game. You know right. what I mean? Everyone loses. Yeah. yeah. Which I think people will start to wake up. I think people at the top will start to wake up to how they're actually, their suffering is actually linked to the suffering of others, even mm-hmm. though it doesn't appear that way at first. That will be a huge consciousness shift is that, that everyone will start to realize how all this is interlinked and how all this is related. Mm. Um, yeah. And it, you'll have this, this move by everyone because everyone recognizes how it's all interrelated and connected. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. such
0: a good teaser for what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Okay, what else do you got?
1: I think that Biden and Kamala, to a lot of people, don't feel like, to, to a lot of people on the left, they don't feel like a huge step in the right direction and they mm. seem like part of the problem. And I, I have my policy dig- disagreements with both of them, but I think it's really important to note how they are part of the healing process of the last four years. And mm. actually, Trump was so destructive Mm-hmm. In so many ways, and so kind of traumatizing for so many people. Mm-hmm. The Biden and Kamala move feels, um, th- some, to a lot of people, doesn't feel like it's a huge step in the right direction. But it actually is what the country needs. Mm-hmm. The country can't go with anyone too crazy progressive. Mm-hmm. and The country mm-hmm. actually needs someone safe and familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think they have played an important role. And I think it's it can feel frustrating. And I'm speaking for myself. It can feel frustrating because they don't feel. As far along as we need to be, but it's actually really necessary because you can't underestimate the damage and trauma that Trump was for the f- past four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I know, I know you, I know you have a lot to say on that too.
2: <sighs>
0: yeah, I mean, the first thing is that. So I love the Wayne Dyer quote that when you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's basic, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but what it's pointing to in us. Is it when we're squeezed, what was in us is what's coming out. And Trump was the squeezer. Trump mm-hmm. was not the the juice.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so with him as a mirror, when you're intolerating mindset, energy, behavior, whatever you want to describe that, when you're tolerating things, then there's a certain amount of shit living below the surface. And you're kind of... Um, like treading water, uh-huh. which treading water is a great technique to have when you need to be rescued from uh-huh. a body of water, but you can only do it for so long. So, like, you can tread water for a lot longer than you could potentially, like, swim freestyle or something, but there's still, it, it's not sustainable. Inevitably, yeah. if you're treading water for days on end, you would at some point in time drown.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And so, We were treading water with the whole bunch of shit in the underbelly of continued patriarchy, continued like wounded energies, white supremacy, all that like, you know, the widening gap between rich and poor, all these things. And then obviously all the systems you were talking about, which are kind of like, it feels like one layer up from the muck, but still in there. Um, that was all lurking as they we're treading water. It's like there's alligators down there and there's who knows what kind of sea creatures, but it's just not like, it's not good. And people didn't want to see it. They wanted to be treading water. They wanted to be looking out on the horizon for the rescue helicopter. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: They didn't want to be acknowledging that at any moment in time, their damn leg could get bit off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so to me, I think what Trump did is he came in as like an alligator and pulled our collective leg under the water. And we're like, shit, no longer are we drinking yeah. water. We're actually like a full on emergency rescue mission.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, that's a great analogy. I always felt like, like Trump was so awful, but the, 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 the silver lining was that he was so awful that he exposed a lot of stuff just because he was so kind of out there and like, so kind of loud. He exposed a lot of elements of this country and this empire that were, that needed to be exposed that kind of went, uh, unnoticed under under presidents that were more sort of cordial and and a little more toned down it was Mm -hmm. like he was he was such a supervillain that he kind of exposed a lot of things so it's almost like him plus coronavirus was like a combination to me that just Mm -hmm. really kind of woke a lot of people up and like exposed how inept our institutions are at actually taking care of us and actually providing us with the freedoms we need to explore um, and live our best lives Mm -hmm. so I think I hope with that that combination. I just I hope this is a this is a pivotal moment in history where it's it starts mm-hmm. things start to change because they got so painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think from my own experience of, you know, in essence having a dark night, which would be Trump and Corona and all the other yeah. things that have transpired, and then starting to have an awakening, then comes a the healing of all the things that were within that can't stay. And in that healing time, I think Biden is a really good, and I was with you. I mean, this is very non expanded of me, but I'm like, I'm just sick of old white men. Like, what the <laughs> hell? It's like we supposedly have a retirement age, and yet never, nobody in politics yeah. cares. Um, but he has lifelong relationships, mm-hmm. he seems to be a heart centered person who genuinely has relationships and that's within our current political structure. And it's also with our friends around the world. Um, And that uh, gaining credibility back, it can't be underestimated, like how much diplomacy is going to be needed from us. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 you're, You're spot on. Yeah.
0: And just relating it back to my personal experience of healing. It's like, my first counselor was like in her seventies and was so loving. And she would just sit and listen to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's what we need. We need such a neutral, powerful, but wise force. No, like she wasn't the one who was going to take me into massive expansion, but she was going to be the one to hold the space that was so safe that Mm -hmm. I could heal. So that once I was on my own two feet, I could sprint.
1: Yeah, which is exactly what you need at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 exactly what he's doing right now. He's he's just the, the safe, comforting. I remember during those debates when he would just look into the camera. I was like, oh, he's gonna win. Like it it was it was, he's just he's like that just safe, familiar, old, lovable Grandpa Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like you can't have anyone t- you can't have anyone too progressive or anyone that's gonna rock the boat too much right now because mm-hmm. it's too disorienting. You need the like mm-hmm. safe, comforting. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, I think it's setting us up in a really beautiful direction. And I think some of his choices are ready. I think it's like the um, land resources cabinet position. He's filling with a Native American woman, or at least Mm -hmm. that's the, you know, proposal. I'm like, God, how cool would it be if he's at a place because of his age, because he doesn't need to ever be reelected for anything again how cool would it be if he did this like insidious shakeup of like oh yeah here here Native Americans here's a whole bunch of your land back and like like just was able to pull this shit through through this inclusivity that seems like it's transpiring so far with his choices and now again I, I understand like every time I bring this that vision and that hope up around people the, the set point, the status quo was so strong of the skepticism and cynicism of like, yeah, but it's Washington. And I'm like, yeah, but what if, what if he wants, he's a yeah. legacy of lasting change and sustainability in a really great country is more important to him than all these other things that people believe to be true typically in politics.
1: Yeah, and at least, at least with him, you have the possibility that, that he'll have people in his ear that are, are pushing him to do going Mm -hmm. that direction with trump there was just no like it there was just no even possibility that possibility on the table that he would do anything like that at least with biden there will be he can get pressure from all different types of people yeah that could really yeah so it's going to be a it's going to be a much more positive obviously gonna be a much more positive administration this next four years Mm -hmm. um, and they could play a huge role in the healing and kind of laying some groundwork for then really progressive change in the future Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and i think trump's Wounded narcissism that clearly comes from, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that people are just inherently evil. Uh I don't even like putting that word upon anything or anyone. And I think healing is possible for anyone at any time if they so choose it. And so to me, if we're going to see ourselves as one, each and every one of us has to be willing to look at where there's unhealed wounds that lead to narcissistic tendencies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And he was, he was a, a, a the poster boy for that. I mean, we just got a, we got a front row seat to seeing what someone with that kind of, with those unhealed wounds can do mm-hmm. the kind of damage they can inflict. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I hope he'll go down as like a almost like a cautionary tale in -hmm. history for yeah yeah I hope he was was a a huge teaching moment for a lot of people for what that kind of unhealed trauma can can do if it's if it's if it gets power essentially
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and it's always going to seek power
1: yeah because it's
0: the only way that's going to feel safe and that goes full circle back to us talking about Having a society where survival needs are met, then yeah, you aren't constantly on this chase of trying to just feel safe
1: yeah, yeah, that's a great point yeah that, that, that's why this new framework is so that's why, yeah that's why changing the structure is so needed mm-hmm. because it 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 frees people from from needing to yeah needing to acquire power in order to just to feel safe yeah
0: hmm. okay, so as we wrap up the prior the, the energetic experiences that we were having on this planet what else do you want to say not this to
1: what else do I want to say not this to um I want to say not this to instinctively judging and labeling things outside I want I want to say not this to 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 not having an open mind a lot of new solutions and new things that will come over the next the next little while i think i think i think an open mind and uh, an openness to new solutions and open openness to new possibilities is really needed um as far as laying progressing and healing um and the problem so not this to being trapped in old sort of paradigm thinking of instinctively dismissing things just because they don't fit within the current framework Cause there's going to be so many new solutions and so many new things that we um, find and s- so many new remedies that we find to our, uh, over the next couple of years that will be appear like they are, uh, so outside, um, basically what I'm trying to say is a, is an open mind from most people. And I think, Oh, I think open-mindedness is open-mindedness is going to be a huge trait that's, that's needed, um, as we sort of progress and find new solutions. Hmm. Mm.
0: I love that so much. It, I wasn't listening. I was just taking it in uh-huh. at that like heart cellular level.
1: With Tina, by the way, if she if she says she's not listening, that's you know that's a good thing. Most people you're like they're like I was listening. <laughs> you can kind of take that like. But with Tina, I'm like, oh, that's a good. That's a good thing. If she yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, like the episode you did with your dad about um, the rap songs and not like trying to make sense of them but just like oh yeah feeling yeah yeah it's like a it's like a transmission to like straight to my heart yeah and I guess what I'll add is every single day lately as my vibration continues to to increase um I'm seeing more and more ways in which my mind says, Are you sure? Like, are you sure that's safe? Are you sure that something's not going to happen again? And I get to say, I've already experienced that. Mm -hmm. Instead of having this perpetual fear that the past might repeat itself, instead, it's this knowing that there's no way I could possibly know what's to come because all the things that I've already experienced have been done. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: so taking that from the personal out to the political, we've already experienced all these old ways of being that we're just so fucking done with. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's time to allow our minds to be blown and our hearts to be blown open in the best way possible of like the absolute miraculous magical wondrous awe that is what humans co-creating are capable of doing together
1: yeah yeah no but yeah exactly open-mindedness to the to the magic that's going to come and open-mindedness to the the new ways that our minds will be blown mm-hmm. yeah by the things that will come yeah yeah
0: and we'll start with next week's podcast which is part two where we're going yep full consciousness yeah that
1: won't that won't be fun we're gonna really get into it that one yeah yeah
0: this is so fun thank you so much this,
1: this was a blast yeah thank you tina